this week to Talking Flutes Extra Podcast. I'm Jean-Paul Wright, and have I got a treat for you. Winner of the Kobe International Flute Competition, second prize of the Prague Spring International Competition, and recording artist for the label Naxos Deutschland. Welcome, Helen Buleg. Hello, Helen. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. We haven't actually met, have we? We've spoken a lot over social media. And yes. because I didn't make it to the NFA this year, which you were at, it's been sort of a, a virtual dialogue we've had for probably about 12 months now. Yes, yes, more or less, I guess. <laughs> and on the NFA, milady, bravo, you stole the show with your performances. Everybody was raving. Wow, thanks. I, you know, it was such a great honor for me as a as a foreign flutist, as a French flutist, to go there, to be able to play, and uh, above all else, to perform at the gala concerto uh, concert because uh, it was just so such an experience to play with the orchestra there and for so many different flutists. Uh, and yeah, f debut in the U.S. as well. So it was really such an adventure for me to go there. I was being happy about it. And you didn't take the easy route with your choice of pieces, did you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I actually did, you know. You did not. That <laughs> was so complicated. No, well, you, you know, the thing is, for the concerto, when uh, Rebecca Johnson contacted me, well, first of all, first of all I, I, I went crazy. I couldn't believe it at first. And then I started to think about the repertoire and I was like, okay, if there are like 2,000 or... 3,000 flutes sitting in the hall. I'm not sure I want to play something like the Jolivet Concerto, for example, that I really <laughs> know very well because I recorded it. And so I decided to play the Verai, which I just had discovered like maybe two months before, and I really loved. And I thought, nobody's going to know the piece, so it's going to be, you know, safer to play. I'm going to feel safer because the one convention experience I had was the French convention. And, you know... Yes. There were, I was at the conservatory and everybody from all French conservatories was here. And it's such a different, um, how to say that, such a different uh, frame of mind there. And I remember like thinking if I had to perform here, I would be so stressed because I would think of all the people judging me. So I, I actually took the safe first repertoire, but I'm very happy that uh, the Jolivet Concerto actually got played by someone else. So, yes. But you only gave yourself two months to learn it. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It was uh, the, the April the year before. But, uh. yeah, I didn't have a lot of time to practice it. So it was quite fresh. But, uh, you know, it's, well, Verai was a flutist, so it's well composed. So it's not very difficult to play, you know, for example, Jolivet Concerto, you have at first, it takes ages because it's not so logical. <laughs> yes. But the Verai Concerto, it's very logical. It's very flutistic. It's just just pure fun. So it, it, went, it went fast. And how did you find the difference in orchestra? I'm going to put you on the spot here, Helen, between uh, <laughs> all the flute players in Paris and all the flute players sat there in Salt Lake City? Well, um, the difference, <laughs> well, no, no, well, there are a lot of differences. Uh, you mean just the flutes? Well, that's what you mean. Yeah, I would imagine. Let me, let me paint the picture. You're stood playing your concerto in front of all the flute players in Paris 
and they're very serious and they're, look, yeah. they're looking <laughs> at you very seriously and with a critique going on in their head. It's Salt Lake City. They're there with smiles. There's lots of them. They're enthusiastic and you can see their eyes twinkling. Yes, that, mostly that was it. But I must also say now, you know, because last flute convention I went to in France, I was, I just had gotten my job two years prior. I was still a student. I, it was very different. So maybe now I'd actually, you know, experience it very differently. But probably the audience was, would be very different. Uh, what really stunned me about this audience in Salt Lake City is, you know, I went on stage and people were already cheering. You know, and so you feel like, okay, they're already so happy to be here and to listen to some unknown flute piece because almost no one ever heard it. And, uh, you know, I had my my best dress as well. And it it always makes an effect. So uh, I think it it was a lot for something in the in the cheering. But you feel so empowered when you walk on stage and people are already so positive and they're already just so happy for that you're here and you're going to play. And it was, I thought, you know, also it was the first time I played by heart in ages. Last time was for the Prague competition or maybe the, no, the uh, Munich competition was 2015. And since then I hadn't played by heart again because I'm getting older and it's getting just harder to, to play by heart. I, I, it's not so, so easy for me anymore. And, you know, I was like really even behind the stage, like, okay, shall I take the score or not? And I went on stage and I decided, okay, I just know the piece by heart. I'll just give it a go because I really worked hard for it. And when people just began to cheer, I thought nothing wrong could happen because it was so such a great and positive mindset that nothing wrong could happen. And even if it did, I would find a way back. And indeed, nothing wrong happened. I had no memory problem. But that's you, Helen. You bring joy and you bring fun. When you're around, you sort of, you're smiling and your eyes are bright and you're enthusiastic. And because you embrace social media like that, people get to know the Helen outside the flute playing. So when you turn up on the stage, they see the whole Helen. They don't just see the flute player, the brilliant flute player. They see all of you. Well, uh, I'm very touched you put, you put it that way because it means a real lot. And indeed, I try to to make it about the human being and about everything and the music above all and not about the flute playing. Because I think flute playing in itself and for itself is actually boring. Mm. And we're also limited by the instrument. And we have to think outside the box and just to be there in the music for for something different to happen with this instrument. And that's what you, you've, you've just touched on something there, Helen, I'd just like to go back to, is that you play music, you don't necessarily play the flute. In other words, you tell a story with your instrument and you welcome in the audience into this story and you give them experience. So you're not playing the dots on the page, you're actually doing a narrative, you're telling them a story. And that is the most important part in music making and you do it wonderfully. Thank you very much. Um, this is also very, uh, it means a lot to me because, you know, it didn't used to be that way. It's actually very recently that I discovered I, I need to play music <laughs> and not the flute. You know, on my, it's actually, the, it's written on my website. There's this mini blog that I haven't updated in two years. I need to, but anyway, I'm telling the story of how I came to discover music and for some people, it's just obvious. And for me, I don't think I was anti-musical or whatever. 
But, you know, it was like flutes always came so easily to me. And I just really wanted to play with a great sound and like very virtuosic and, you know, a bit of showing off. And when I did my first Kobe competition, it was my first international competition in 2013. I went there, you know, and I passed to the second round and that was it. And I listened to the, to the end of the competition. And as I was sitting in the final round and I listened to the, to the finalists, I realized it, it, has, it, it was and it will probably stay the biggest epiphany of my life. I just remember sitting in this hall and listening and thinking, oh, my God, I'm just, you know, I'm at the kindergarten of music. I don't know one thing about it. And I have just been playing the flute this entire time. And I'm so happy that I actually didn't make it to this, this far in the competition because I would be ridiculous next to them. And yeah, so it was a few years ago, I was 23, which is quite late, I think, for me to discover that it was not about the flute, it was about the music. But that's really hard, though, isn't it? Because the flute is such a technical instrument and you need to explore it from the foundations. You need to have really, really good, firm foundations. And it's, it's really hard when you're up against some really talented uh, students, certainly in Paris, like you were, to push the creative side because there's so many extra bits you have to learn about what you can do on the instruments isn't there yes but um i think you know because i have made this journey and i i'm still doing it as we all do every day um to, to I, i'm trying to just really concentrate on the music but it's so tough you know and i think when you have that from the beginning when you just hear the music and well you've got the flute, fluty technical problem the thing is, if you've got the right teacher and if you've got the, mm, if you've got the yes. time, you can practice this problem. But if you are not very inspired musically, well, good luck with that because, <laughs> because <laughs> there is no book about that. I mean, there is no flute method or nothing, no, no, no holy grail that will just give you the answer. And this is so much harder for me. That's how I think because, of course, it's easy for me to say because... When I was 23 and I realized I needed to concentrate on the music, I had no flute problems. You know, I already had a job. Mm. Uh, flute was kind of easy. I mean, I couldn't play very loud or very piano, but it was all no sound problems, quick fingers. So it's easy for me to say. But, you know, it has been so hard. I started to study again and you cannot believe how many times I came back from uh, Karlsruhe where I did my master with Renate Greis and Matthias Allen is uh, her assistant. And I came back from, from my lesson with my car and I had like three hours drive and I would cry for the three hours thinking I'm never gonna make it. And I'm, because you know, I had practiced and I went to my lesson and I thought I, I, w I was further with the music. <laughs> my teacher would demonstrate me very, very methodically how not further I was. <laughs> and, you know, I had no idea what to do. I, and there were lots of times where I thought, if I can't play music the way I want to be able to play it, should I even just keep playing the flute? Should I even just keep my job at the orchestra? And because I don't think that's what I want. If I can't do what I want to do, then maybe I just do I, I just should do something else entirely. 
So it was really hard, of, uh, really hard for me. F from the, the moment I discovered I wanted to play music, every day I think things like that. Yeah. Is, it, is it enough? What should I do more? Uh, what, how should I learn more? And it, it's never ending. And I think it's harder than just fixing, fixing a food problem for me. It, yeah, it is. But uh, don't you find that the older you get, the more that you can bring emotion, as in the emotion you're feeling yourself, that age brings and maturity brings into your music. And as you do so, you start to affect the audience in a much deeper way. Yeah. Which you couldn't have done if you're a student, could you? If you couldn't, sorry, if you were younger, because you don't have those life experiences. I, I, I think being older helps for me at least. I know some very young people who, who win these kind of competitions and who are actually great musicians as well. So I think, you know, everybody has his, his or her own rhythm and pace. And we need to be patient. And some things just take longer. And I had great flute technique very early on. And I got my first job with 19. And that's very early. And I, I count myself so lucky. But for the musical side, it came later for me. And some people just have problems the other way around or have the whole package from day one. And we've got to live with what we have and make the, the best of it. Do you know that is great advice? Live with what you have. Don't aspire to be anybody else, but actually find out and understand what positives you have and also accept the negatives and create your own little package. Yeah. Right, Ellen, let me take you back. Let me take you back to the beginning. When did Ellen start playing the flute and also why the flute? Well, it's actually a funny story. I come from a family that, uh, that has no musicians in it whatsoever. And I think when I was in first grade, well, like six or six and a half, my mom said, okay, it would be great next year, maybe to just, try and play some music and I said okay yeah so the next year we go to the the music school and we went to uh, enroll me in music school and I said you know mom maybe I, I want to play the piano and my parents were separated already at the, at the time so buying a piano was totally out of the question it was re really too expensive so my mom said I'm sorry honey you have to pick something else Okay, no problem. You know, I had no idea about music. I said piano because that was the first instrument that came to my mind. So then I said, okay, well, second instrument that came to mind, I want to play the violin. So Another we expensive to, instrument. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the violin class and it was full. So, well, I had to find something else. And, you know, I, 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 I remember looking at the instrument list um, and I, I saw this word. That was, you know, I, I've got a special relationship with the words and with autograph, uh, well, uh, and um, with spelling. I don't know if autograph exists in English. Yes, so. yes it does. <laughs> okay, and um, I saw this word, which is French horn. French horn is called cor in three letters. And we <laughs> don't have that many words with three letters. So I said, oh, I want to play that. I want to play horn. And my mother, she knew what the instrument looked and sounded like, more or less. And she went, yeah, you know, it's going to be so heavy and maybe a tiny bit loud. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, not horn, no matter. And then I saw the word flute. And, you know, it, it, just, it was just written flute. 
or maybe flute, flute traversière, but I don't really remember that. In any case, I remember thinking about the recorder in plastic that we had at <laughs> home, because in French it's the same word, it's flute traversière or flute à bec, but it's a flute anyway. So I thought, okay, we've we already got one, let's, let's play the flute. So we enrolled me in the flute class, and as I went out of music school and told my mom, yes, that's great, and we even have one at home. She looked at me and said, no, we don't. It's not the same one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I ended up playing the flute. It so, could yeah. have been the French horn. Do you know French horn is my favourite instrument? I love French horn. You know, now I'm, when I hear French horn oh. solo in the orchestra, I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. I want to play the horn. You know, in the, well, the French, all the French horn section comes in and it, it, they rise up and you think that gives... You know, in, in unison with the cellos, that yeah. really gives a, a body to the music, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, so you, you chose the flute over the piano. So it's it's our flute player's benefit that you chose that. And But mind you, you still chose an expensive instrument, didn't you? In that, but, you know, actually, we'd, well, I didn't know that back then. And my mom <laughs> didn't either. And we just rented one the first year. So it was really not as expensive as a piano as a piano. <laughs> yeah, well, nowadays it it is kind of an expensive instrument as well. But yeah. <laughs> and what motivated you? Obviously you had the support from your mother. Because you progressed really, really quickly, you were either super talented and able to dissect everything that you were told by your teacher, or you just worked really, really, really hard. What motivated you? You know, I think I was very lucky. First of all, I I was I don't know if it's talented, but it was it came easily. I really liked it, and it came easily. And so you know, it was like if it's easy and you like it, it stays easy, kind of. And so there is no reason not to be motivated. And also, I must say, I had such a great teacher. She's awesome, and um, it was such a joy to go to flute lessons. And, you know, she would give me homework in the flute book and say, okay, you do lesson three. And I would come one week after and I would have practiced three, four and five or something like that. So, yes, (laughs) it was easy. And she told me uh, when I came to my third flute lesson, I I opened my flute box and I said, my flute case. And as I was, you know, putting the flute together, I said, yeah, later. I want to do exactly like you. I want to be a flute teacher. <laughs> and so, yeah, she told me, you know, it's hard. Yeah, I don't mind. I want to be a flute teacher. So, yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to be a flute teacher. And I actually really wanted to be a flute teacher until I, my the teacher at the conservatory sent me to the audition in Luxembourg and I won the job. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, kind of you, yeah, you know. Yeah, basically you fell in love with it at a very young age, didn't you? Yes, yes. It, you know, it was easy. I don't remember. I mean, there, there have been times I, I struggled, but that's that's from the point I really, you know, I was a teenager and I really knew now I have to work for it. And so the questions began and the struggle because I had to practice differently. But until, I would say, until 16, it was it was easy. No questions. <laughs> Oh, do you know, I don't know many people that would say that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't, I, you know, I, actually it's not even, I can't be pr- proud of that because it was easy. I, I just count myself very lucky to have just, you know, that it came easily and to have had this great teacher because otherwise it would have made things a bit tougher, I guess. 
Yeah, so tell me about your your debut album. It you know, it's absolutely wonderful. I can I let I, I'll let you explain what it is, but it's the works of Andre Jolivet and it is wonderful. Can you let people know how they get their hands on it, please? And also what made what motivated you to do the uh, the, the complete works? Well, long story. Uh, first of all, you can find this album on any streaming platform and in book, uh, in you know, C, uh, well, CD distributors. So I don't know where in the UK, but for example, in France, you could find it in the Fnac yeah. or like these kinds of shops. But it's on Amazon as well. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Stream. I think it's on Spotify. So it's easy to find. And about the complete work thing, um, it's, you know, when I decided to record Jolivet, first it was supposed to be one album. And when I met with the producer, we were having coffee and I said, you know, in 10 years, maybe I'll do another album with all the chamber music and with the concerto. And that way I will have recorded the complete works, which has <laughs> only been done two times. And he said, but that's a great idea. And that's, that was it. <laughs> so, yes, I had no idea at the time how hard it would be. I had not recorded yet anything. And uh, I had no idea how, how much work, how much time, how much energy, how much organization, how much money, how much everything that would cost. And I won't uh, hide that during the actual recording of the second album, the one that was really hard to organize, because it was different chamber music formations. During these recordings, at, at uh, numerous times, <laughs> I just broke down crying and saying, I want it to be over. This is awful. I won't ever be able to finish it because, you know, we had so much problems. We had, I had to find the musicians and then some musicians had injuries and oh. accidents and scheduled problems. And then... Yeah, well, every, everything that could go wrong went wrong until we actually did it, you know, met and re recorded, and that went well. <laughs> so, actually, that's the most important thing. But, you know, all the work before, um, it, was, it was awful. It was the hardest thing I ever did. So many organizational problems and so many, yes, things I had no idea about. And, uh, and I played with mostly with musicians I had never played before for, uh, you know, scheduled reasons. And so it was actually a leap of faith. And I was so happy how well it, it worked out. Yeah, you should be I so no proud idea. of yourself. You should be so proud. It's a beautiful recording schedule. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm proud of, I'm proud that it's finished. And it, it's, <laughs> done, it's, it's done forever, you know. If, if no, well, yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. You're not going to redo it, are you? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, not right now, at least. So, yeah. But, yeah, now that it's over, you know, I, I, I'm so happy I did it. But during the second recording, there were times I told my partner, you know, I don't think anything will be worth the pain and the hassle and the stress it brought me. And now it's behind me, you know, it's like pain. The brain cannot record the memory of pain. I think it's the same thing. I, I remember it was hard and I remember I, I broke down like so many times. 
And but now and also I I remember all these great rehearsals and the fun we had and and the recording and I'm very happy with the results. And so I'm yeah now I'm like okay let's do another recording some other day you know. <laughs> but <laughs> six months ago I went, it was a totally different story. Yeah. Right, take me back to Kobe. Uh, I mean that's that that is the flute competition to win, isn't it? Congratulations on that. Take me back to that fateful moment when they announced your name? You know, I, well, first of all, I, when I went to this competition, I knew it would be my last, probably my last, because I was 27. And uh, regarding the competition schedule, at the time, Nielsen and Tchaikovsky hadn't been announced. So I, I, I thought it was, that was it, you know. And I went there and I did everything I could so that it could go well. But you never know, and well, I, I didn't think I could win it, not 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 ever. So when you know when I went to second round, I was relieved. Okay, I passed at least one round, and then I went to the semifinal, and I was like, oh my god, all the big laureates of past uh, competitions are out. So anything's possible. And from that moment, I couldn't sleep anymore. <laughs> it was because you know everything was possible. And so I was still under pressure all of a sudden. And uh, well, then I was, I remember being so unhappy about my third round. Like I remember all the things that went wrong and I think it were tiny details and I made like so much out of it because obviously, well, I passed to the final. And then I, I remember being so calm, which is very unlike me. <laughs> And um, I, I drew I drew number one, so I was the first to play. And because so many people came to the final round, we, we began very late because people were queuing up in the streets to come in the hall for the, for the final round. And normally that's the kind of situation I, I go crazy with because I hate being late and not knowing about the time. I've got a problem with time management. So yeah, <laughs> normally that would just really drive me crazy. And I stayed very calm. I was, I was in the zone. I was. I knew I had done everything I could. I almost hadn't practiced Jolive Concerto because I didn't have the time. Because just before the Kobe competition, I did the audition in Rotterdam, and I didn't have the time to practice everything as I wished I could have, which is always the case anyway for competitions. And so I had done whatever I could. And I was okay with that. Whatever happens, you've done everything you could. So there is no regret, regrets to have. And that it, it's, it's, it brings such a freedom, you know. It's such a calm, calmness because, you know, you've done everything you could, right? So even if you like go out on stage and you mess it up completely, you couldn't have done better anyway. So I think really it helped me to be calm and to say, to think, okay, we're late, so what? And I'm going to play the best I can because that's the best. <laughs> so what, what else can I do? And we'll see. And I played and it went well. And I felt just so happy to be there and to play with orchestra for just, you know, I, I haven't played a lot with orchestra. Not a lot of people play regularly with orchestras. And it's so great. And the, the, the halls in Japan, they, they sound so great. And people have, have been so nice to me during rehearsals. I felt great. So I played and that was it. 
And then I went to listen to the others. And then we waited for the results. And that moment where they started to announce the results, it was, so, you know, it took time because they, they said one prize after another, back from the last one, you know, mm -hmm. and then up in Japanese and then in English. So it took forever. <laughs> and when they arrived to the, arrived to the second prize, you know, I had done a bit of homework in Japanese, so I could understand a bit. And I was happy I could understand because <laughs> the weight was killing me, you know. And they say, second prize, there isn't a second prize. And from that moment, I knew, well, it's ex but I've got the first prize. And, well, you know, it's, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was not the best feeling ever because I was like, that, that, that must be a mistake. <laughs> and uh, I, I must be dreaming right now. And yes, it's, it's even now, you know, like three years, well, two years be, uh, after that, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> it must have all been a dream because, yes, hear my name right next to the first prize. It was something really amazing. Uh, and there's a lot, of, lot for people to learn in that. A, that you are... That you've you've done enough practice, you're feeling good about yourself, but also sometimes not over practicing is a benefit as well. Not over practicing yeah. certain pieces. As long as you're still practicing the flute and still playing, uh, sometimes the over practice can sometimes make you more manic and more insecure about something. Yes, and also you know how actually for the audition, the audition in Rotterdam just before the Kobe competition, I did over practice. And I arrived to the competition and my sound was dead. My lips were dead. I had practiced too much. And then after the audition, I knew I had 10 days to prepare for the competition to warm up the repertoire again, you know. And I knew I was like, okay, my lips are dead. No more than two hours a day. So that's not a lot for two hours of repertoire, you know, two hours a day of practice, including warm up. And I need half an hour to warm up. So, yes, uh, I practiced a whole other way. I, I did a lot in my mind. I practiced a lot just the fingers, you know, mm -hmm. without blowing the flute. Yes. It, it, yes, I think you've to, in order to feel, to feel prepared, well, to feel as prepared as possible, you need to do everything that's in your power. That's exactly but, right. Physically yes. and mentally prepared. Yes, but you need to you need to be fresh in the mind when you come. And that's very important. So not neglecting the fact that you need to go outside, maybe go for a run, or for a drink with friends, or just, you know, snuggle on your couch uh, under the blanket with a, a, a cup a cup of tea. You know, it's you we need to have just not an overcrowded mind. That's very important. So let's take you over to your favourite flute piece. And that's obviously going to be from Jolly there, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite easy. It's the Chandelinos. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> Chandelinos of all yeah. pieces. I heard it on the CD I had when I was a kid. I think it was on Pal. And I fell in love with it. And I thought, I want to play that. And I waited a long time to play that <laughs> because it's so hard. And when I was 17, I remember after uh, auditioning for the second time for the Paris Conservatory, my teacher said, okay, now you've got time and you've got the skill. Now, okay, you can go on to Chandelinos. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I opened the score and I was, okay, this is going to be slow and rhythms practicing because just you cannot just play it like Prima Vista. It's not the Mozart concerto. 
So, yeah, and I played it and I could play that piece every day of my life and never get tired of it. I love it. There oh, is something in it a, that's it, so magical. It's a very, very special piece, but yeah. a very, very special piece that can only be performed by very few people. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's not the hardest. For example, the concerto is way harder for me. It's it's really, really less logical in a kind of mathematical way. Mm. And for the fingers as well, it's this is much more work. Chandelier's, of course, it's it's a lot of work and no matter how many times I play it, I mean, I'm pl I played it at the NFA. I play it next week in Taiwan. I've got to practice it. The whole thing was rhythms again. Never mind how many times I played it. But, but it's not the hardest thing for me. The concerto is much harder. You know, for the fingers, of course, it is tricky, but you just need a lot of time to practice it. That's it. So yes. outside of flute practicing and flute playing... What do you like doing, Helen? Well, <laughs> I love to play badminton. Uh, I kind of missed it because uh, last year in Germany, I didn't have a, um, a club uh, to go and I didn't have time to, to train. But uh, I started playing badminton, um, when was it? 2013, actually. When I started doing competitions, it was the same year. And I love it. And uh, yes, it's, you know, when I was a kid, I, I did ballet, dance, dancing, mm -hmm. and then I did nothing until I, I started running a bit, but I'm not very athletic, so I'm not a very big runner or anything, but badminton, it's so liberating, and you play with people, and it's so fun, and you don't need a lot of skill, you just need to want to do your best, and that's already 90% of the work. And you also like nature don't you i've noticed from your instagram account you love nature and being outside walking and just experiencing the wonder of the world don't you yes i uh, unfortunately i don't take a lot of time for that because yeah you know practice 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 and life and <laughs> but when i've got time I, I love that we went to portugal last week and to italy in may and i love it the nature is so different and the colors and all this green and the different cultures. It's so great. Uh, I love it. And finally, what piece of advice can you give to an aspiring, well, you could say for aspiring flute player, but aspiring musician, Helen, bearing in mind everything you've learned over the years, what one piece of advice could you give? Uh, it's hard to choose. I, I had, I, I would have two. So may I give the yes, two? Yes, of course you can. <laughs> So first of all, I think it's very important to stay true to yourself. Uh, in the end, you, you, you'll, ha you'll have teachers and mentors and people who come for you, but what you want and what you feel is good for you, no one else can know. And if you, if you feel or don't feel uh, prepared for something, there might be a reason. So yeah, I think it's very important to stay true to who you are what you want and to know that it's it's not always easy to know but uh, it's important that's the first one and the second one it might even be more important i think it's to know that no matter how hard it gets and how tough some days are gonna be because let's face it it's gonna be like ups and a lot of downs no matter how uh, deep the downs are and how how many of them there are 
it's going to be all right in the end. It's going to get better. And I think it's very important to know that because what I know from my experience is you think it's all right. I mean, I had a job when I was 19. And then, you know, I did competitions, but I had nothing to lose anyway. And I won Kobe. And then I, I won another job. And I didn't get tenure. And that was like the hardest thing ever. And well, you know, I lived. <laughs> I lived to see another day and then another day. And now I'm feeling better. And like three months ago, I didn't feel better at all. <laughs> but you've got to just, you know, um, yeah, just keep the faith in the fact that it's going to get better in the end. And that then you'll have another down along the way. And it's, it's life. It's like that. And I don't think it's just for musicians. It's for human beings as a whole. And as musicians, we face more downs and more rejection than lots of other people. And it's like that. The, the ups and the view from the top is worth it. Oh, what beautiful advice, Ellen. Thank you. And well, thank you for taking time out this afternoon to um, join me on Talking Flutes. You've been so kind. Yeah. Well, thank you really for this opportunity. And yeah, for, for finally talking to you it's it's been great and uh, i'm sure we'll catch up personally in the not too distant future yes don't forget definitely. don't forget if you're ever in london afternoon tea is always on the agenda yeah and daniela daniela will tell you how wonderful our afternoon tea is she did and she also she also sends pictures so i got a bit jealous to be honest <laughs> of, of the cake of the cakes and the sandwiches yeah <laughs> Hélène Bouleg, thank you so much for joining me this week and may your future music making and flute playing still maintain the upward trajectory, but more importantly, that you continue to bring joy and delight to everybody who listens to you. Hélène, thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Hélène. Um, don't forget to follow Talking Flutes on iTunes, Spotify and your usual podcast provider. Thank you for joining us today on Talking Flutes Extra. And Claire returns next week with her Talking Flute Pods. So all that leaves me to do is to wish you all a wonderful week ahead. And may your music making be wonderful. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.